The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of First United Methodist Church in Beaumont, Texas. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to love your city with the heart of Christ. Will you pray with me? Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, our strength and our salvation. Amen. When I was a young associate pastor, I served with a lead pastor and an older associate pastor, both of whom were in the neighborhood of 40 years of experience. The year was about 1996 when the grief they gave me about never having had the opportunity to preach the morning service and the evening service on the same Sunday, their grief reached a fevered pitch. They thought I was a wimp. And so it turns out that one particular Sunday, they were both going to be on vacation that summer. And we had an evening service. And so when, after a staff meeting, we had a pastor's meeting, and I said, okay, my brothers, here's the deal. There's the opportunity, should you choose to allow me, to preach both the morning services, two of them, and the evening service, I'd be honored to accept that invitation. But if you choose to go another route, you have to stop giving me grief about never having taken advantage of that opportunity. The lead pastor looked at me, well, son, I'll take that under advisement. You know, it is a wheelbarrow full of work to preach the morning and the evening services. I said, as you, as you wish. Everywhere I go in life, every person I meet in life, it seems that today everyone has a wheelbarrow full of work, amen? Music ministry on Super Music Celebration Sunday is a wheelbarrow full of work. Let's just thank God for them together, for all of them, everybody involved in this. I will have to tell you that I don't often get to sit where my brother sits at the soundboard and coordinating sound with all of this addition is a wheelbarrow full of work. Let's, and, and audio visual, let's give them our praise and praise to God. That is a, if, if, if you've ever stopped by to visit anybody in the hospital, doctors and nurses and nurse assistants and custodians and administrators, our medical ministry industry every single day has a wheelbarrow full of work. Our ministry staff, both paid and servant, 
By the way, we're, we're changing a word that we use. Sometimes we've used the word as volunteer, that we come up here and do things. We volunteer. But our staff parish chairperson, Hank Hamilton, has challenged us to change that word for servant. Because in our membership vows that you see on our discipleship path, on the back page from the Scripture, you see that we promise to pray, participate, provide, perform, and proclaim. That word perform connects to the membership vow service. And so as we come up here and perform in ministry, we are in fact servants, not volunteers. Our servant staff puts forth quite an effort to move forward their wheelbarrow full of work. In, in recent months, I have doubled as facilities manager, and we have a glorious facility, amen? Every Sunday morning, I pinch myself before I come into this grand sanctuary just to make sure I'm not dreaming, because it really is real. And it really is beautiful, and we stand on the shoulders of our forebears who saw the vision to build this place that we might worship God together. And let me tell you, with the flat roof in southeast Texas, with plumbing issues and electrical issues and HVAC and alarm system and cleaning issues, managing this facility is a wheelbarrow full of work. You can help me. Anybody got kids? <laughs> Anybody got grandkids? Anybody got nieces and nephews? Anybody have extended family vacations and reunions and gatherings this summer? What would you call all of that? Well, better full of work. When he was out and about in his earthly ministry, Jesus saw the people laboring under an overloaded wheelbarrow full of work. And so when he saw them, he said to them, come to me, all that you who are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Now, that word rest in Scripture that Jesus used doesn't mean just a vacation, doesn't mean just a day off it means to be put on active rest. That means your assignment, your duty for that time frame is to rest, to cease from work, to stop activity so that you might be refreshed. It's an assigned task to rest, Jesus says. I think we've lost that. In university, when a professor takes a break from teaching, it's called a sabbatical. There's another word. Sa Sabbath, that's it. It's right next to sabbatical, and it means, the root of it in Genesis means that God quit creating when he rested on the seventh day. You see, we are created and designed from the very innermost part of our being to include rest 
in our rhythm of life. So Jesus says, come to me and I will put you at rest so that you might be refreshed. He says, take my yoke upon you. The yoke there, the law, Torah, was always referred to as the yoke. Dennis Campbell, who was dean of Duke Divinity School while I was there, wrote a book about ordination as a pastor, an elder, or a deacon in the United Methodist Church, and he called it the yoke of obedience. We wear stoles to symbolize that yoke, being yoked with Christ in ministry. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. These next couple of words have to be understood in relation to the preceding verses, verse 25 and part of 26. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The religious practice of the time was burdensome. From the Ten Commandments came 693 explanatory commandments that every faithful person was supposed to be able to uphold every moment of their life if they were to be found faithful. People found that to be a wheelbarrow full of work that was overburdened, and Jesus comes and says, I'm gentle, not overburdening, not harsh, and humble in heart. In this instance, this word humble is used to refer generally to someone of low social status. As I read it and, and have come to understand it, I would say it's compared to the self-proclaimed bigwigs. And humble is someone who is down to earth, real, as opposed to being over, re, overly religious for the sake of being overly religious as show or performance. And then we come to my favorite two words of this passage, easy and light, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One of the very first lectures I remember in New Testament class, Dr. Mickey Eford translated this for us and said, it's better to say my yoke fits perfectly and my burden is completely bearable. Have you ever had a job, and, and maybe it wasn't the whole job, maybe it was just a day in that job, or even just an hour in that job, a single task that when you finished, by all accounts, you should be completely exhausted and need a rest. However, you know in your bones that that particular task is precisely what you were created for, and so when you complete the task, you are more energized than you can imagine. Anybody have a, have a moment like that in life, where you know that you know this is why you're on God's green earth, 
to do this one thing? That Sunday evening, after I preached the morning services, after I want to remember a church lunch, after visiting the hospitals, after preaching the evening services, which was all after a full five-day week of vacation Bible school, people said, are you tired yet? And I said, no. I am more filled with energy and passion for the kingdom of God at this moment than I remember in my life. It was that sweet spot of knowing in my bones why I am here. And it's important for all of us in our lives to find those sweet spots and to live into them and to lean into them in our lives. And it's important as a congregation to find those sweet spots of ministry that refresh and restore who we are as God's people, that empower us and equip us to reach out with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why in these weeks we have been focusing on clarity and rhythm and rest, clarity of purpose. We are those who make disciples of Jesus, who love this city with the heart of Christ. And rhythm, we gather and we worship and we pray and we fellowship and we study and we serve and rest. And rest. Every time in the lectionary when the Resurrection appearances of Jesus in the upper room come about. I always think it's important when we read those passages to stop with Christ's first words. Peace be with you. And just stop there. And let that peace wash over us. Let that peace of Christ envelop us. Let that peace that surpasses our understanding enfold us into the very presence of God that we might be refreshed. So if you look at this preview of our path of discipleship, you see works of mercy and works of piety Works of mercy being acts of compassion, things that we can do individually to help another person, and acts of justice, what we are called to do as community to change the world. Works of piety, acts of devotion that we perform on our own or in very small groups, two or three, maybe four at most, and acts of worship, what we do together as a community of faith. And I will tell you, over a year's time and over a decade's time, that's a wheelbarrow full of work. So how do we do it? How do we take our wheelbarrows full of work in our daily lives with our families? 
How do we do it? How do we not end up like the broken down wheelbarrow on the bulletin cover? Well, I think, I think of three things. And the first is sometimes we have to say no to something that's good in order to do what's best. And that's difficult for us. Let me say it again. Sometimes we have to say no to something that's good in order to do what's best. How many of you in the choir had other possible opportunities for your life this morning? And how many of you said a polite no thank you to those opportunities so that you could be here? God bless you and thank you. I mean, of course, I think this is best, but I, you know, they, they pay me to be here. Your servants, right? Okay. The second is to do only what you can do. To do only what you can do. Each of us have manifest the gifts of God's Holy Spirit within us. And while I know how to work the coffee pot, and sometimes I do work the coffee pot, most days I don't need to be working the coffee pot. I need to be pastoring. We each have that need for clarity in our lives, at our workplaces, in our home life, in our extended families, to do only what you can do. And the third is rest. Really. Just stop. Turn off the phone. Turn off the TV. Get out of the house or wherever. Just stop. And the reason is because when we don't, we run out of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I have to count every time. There are nine, and if I don't use my fingers, I'll miss one. I missed goodness. On my drive to worship this morning, I displayed quite a lack of fruit with my fellow travelers in Beaumont, Texas. Thank God I was able to keep my thoughts inside my car and not exercise them outside the confines of my little car. But I'm, I'll confess to you today, I'm dangerously low on fruit. You laugh, but come live at my house. It's not very funny. When we don't rest, we deny the way God made us, and we deny Christ's lordship of our lives, and we deny the gift that Christ gives us when he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.lovebeaumont.com.